Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. As you're being seated, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. You know, these days are a little bit different. These six days of faith, they're, they're a little bit different because they are designed to aim specifically at the, the subject or the application of faith for us to take the word of God and to um, give that specific time and attention for um, adjustments to be made for greater light and understanding. And so <clears throat> we know that God's working on something. We know by the, by the services that we've been having in, these, uh, in, in both locations, we've had services where the power and the presence of the Lord has ministered to us. We had the services with Sister Annette that just really moved us in to some things, some services where we were just soaking in the presence of God. In both campuses, we've been experiencing this, and this is a, a part of that. It's not separate from it. This is another part of that flow and that impartation. Romans chapter 4, I want to look at verse 19. It says, And being not weak in faith, he, Abraham, Considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God. Pastor talked about the promise of God and identified for us last night that the promise of God isn't something that's future. When we look at the promise of God, it is provision it is covenant provision that is already uh, in place and available for the believer, and it's, it's in our account. And we are accessing that provision, accessing that account with our faith. Pastor referred to it as it's in the faith dimension. It's in a dimension, but it exists now. We're not waiting for God to give it to us. He's already given it to us. And so this is the way we approach the promise. This is the way we interact with the promise. That it's not something future, but it's something already provided. It's provision. It's covenant provision. And so Abraham, who is an example for us of receiving by faith, Abraham, it says, he didn't stagger at the promise. And so we need to recognize that's possible for a person to stagger at the promise. We never want to do that so we can learn from Abraham's example, right? How not to stagger at the promise. It said he did not stagger at the promise. How would a person stagger at the promise? It says through unbelief. Through unbelief. Now, you might think unbelief is, is something that is, you know, it's, yeah, we don't want to do it, but it's just, you know, a non-issue. But God took unbelief seriously, you know, and he called it. He said that those could not enter, those who he had brought out of Egypt, who he had shown his mighty right arm. He had shown his deliverance. He had shown his ability to provide for them manna from heaven, water out of a rock, protection from the sun by day, protection from the cold by night. He is 
in his protection kept them from the vipers until they broke down that hedge of protection with their complaining. God had shown himself to be faithful and he had shown himself to be true to his word and he had he had demonstrated his truthfulness and his faithfulness and his love for them. And yet when they came to the promised land, they said, we be not able to go in and possess the promises. We be not able to go in to take what God's already provided for us, what God's already made available for us, what he said he's already given to us. Amen. We be not able. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight. And they got ready to stone, I mean, to, to abuse and kill the, the, the two who did have a good report, Joshua and Caleb, were saying, we are more than able. Let's go right now. We can do this. We got this. God is for us. And, and they said, we're just going to just go ahead and destroy you because we don't want all that faith talk going on in our ears, making it so apparent how much we're not believing what God said. And the glory showed up. The glory showed up to protect Joshua and Caleb, and God came, and notice how God reacted to their unbelief, because it wasn't a non-issue where God was concerned. God said, how long will you provoke me? Ooh, unbelief is provocation. He called that time, he said, don't harden your heart as they did in the day of provocation when they provoked me. So God calls unbelief provoking him. And then he said, how long will it be before you believe me? So unbelief is not a non-issue. It's something especially for us who we are believers. Notice we're not, the, you know, the scripture reveals that we are believers. We're saints, we're believers. We are believers by nature. It is in our born-again makeup, our DNA as, as people who are washed in the blood and born of the Spirit of God. It is in our DNA to take God at his word. We're birthed by the word. We're alive by the incorruptible seed of the Amen. word of God. The, the, the believing God comes natural to a believer. Amen? Amen. So we don't want to be unbelieving believers. We want to be believing believers who, who practice taking God at his word. And that's why we're here in these six days of faith, right? That's why we are interested in how to apply our faith, how to be people who are persuaded by the promise. It says here in Romans that he did not stagger through unbelief, but he was strong in faith giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. That's our objective. Amen. That's what Pastor was revealing when he, would, uh, when he said last night that we, we need to see it as already done. That's how, that, that's how you could describe that condition of seeing it already done, is that I am persuaded or convinced I am, I am convinced that it's mine now, that I have it now, that what God said belongs to me, belongs to me now, even though I don't have the manifestation of this certain thing, I have the title deed because faith is the title deed. Amen? So Abraham, he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, there's that word promise again, that what God had provided, not in the future, but already made covenant provision for what God has said is our, what God had promised, he was able also to perform. So this fully persuaded is what we want to accomplish. That's our objective and the staggering is what we want to avoid. You cannot practice both. You can't practice staggering and become fully persuaded. You have to lay aside the staggering and you have to practice and develop your skill in being fully persuaded. Amen? 
It doesn't happen because you own various translations of the Bible. It doesn't happen because you're a member of a church or because you've been saved 20 years. To become fully persuaded requires an interaction with the Word of God and a laying aside of the thoughts and the, the reasonings of the mind that would come against what God has spoken what God's word what what God's word imprints on your spirit how many of you have ever seen a picture in a newspaper have you ever opened up that newspaper and you see the picture the way they make that picture is with dots it is hundreds of little dots and you could have Two different pictures, maybe one of a car wreck and one of a softball player who just got a trophy, right? right? They both have the same amount of dots in each picture, but it's how the dots are arranged that makes them different. And so the Word of God is, is transmitting the image of God into our spirits, the Word of God is, is putting and arranging those dots in their correct order so that we see ourselves in line with how God sees us. Now, it is appropriate for us to use our faith for our financial needs, for our financial goals and dreams. It's appropriate for us to use our faith to receive healing. Amen? It's appropriate for us to receive, to use our faith on these natural things, but that's not the greatest use of our faith. The greatest use of our faith is for you to be able to see yourself in Christ, for you to be able to see yourself as a new creature. Old things are passed away. I couldn't do what I'm doing today if I still thought I was what I did. I had to have the Word of God rearrange the dots so that I could see myself as a woman purchased by the blood, so that I could see myself as a woman holy and set apart unto God's sanctified use, so that I could see myself. Pastor was so gracious and, and, and spoke of my, my being godly. It's the dots. It's the image of God that's living in me and through me so that I can see myself according to, way, to the way God sees me. And so taking the scriptures and allowing them to rearrange the dots so that your picture is the picture of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's the greatest application of our faith. And then all of the other things that are necessary for this life, necessary for your health, necessary for all of these other, uh, other uh, attributes of your life, those come easy because you see yourself as a person in authority. You see yourself as a person who wields the name of Jesus. You see yourself as blood washed. You see yourself as holy. You see yourself as an heir of God. You know, it's easy to receive your needs met it's when you see yourself as an heir of God. If a person sees themselves as too much month at the end of the month, they're going to have a hard time seeing themselves fully supplied. So do you see, we've got to allow the word of God to arrange the dots so that we become fully persuaded. Now see, a lot of times when people begin to hear the, the principles of faith, they begin to get caught up with some of the application and they get overwhelmed. And they think, well, I got to keep my mouth right and I can't say this and I got to say this and I got to call those things that be not as though they were. And they get so <clears throat> intertwined that they feel overwhelmed. But faith is not hard. Right. It might be different. If you've not been walking, if you've been walking by sight, then walking by faith will seem different, but it's not hard. Remember, you're a believer. Amen. You're built to believe. You've got all the equipment in your spirit to believe God. When you take the fuel, the engine is your heart and the fuel is the word of God. When you just keep your tank full, when you just keep the, the fuel going into the engine of your heart, 
then you will have the supply to be able to produce faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how we deposit it in the heart so that we can have a full tank and we can move forward. Every day is a faith day. Every day is a faith day. Remember, every day is a faith day, right? Because every day the just shall live by faith. We've got to use our faith. You use your faith when you don't even realize it sometimes, just on, on different things that you're dealing with and, and, and accessing the wisdom of God and being able to, to not let that person pluck your last nerve. And to, but just to be able to get through traffic sometimes, you use more faith than you really know. Right? So every day is a faith day. I've got to recognize that I can't allow my tank to only get a deposit once a week. If I'm using my faith every day, I need to be depositing faith in the engine every day. I don't want, I've learned not to drive around under a quarter of a tank. I don't even like for it to get under half a tank. I just go ahead. Let's just go ahead and, and keep it above the half a tank because it's easy to get distracted. And before you know it, it's like you've got two miles blinking at you, two miles to empty, two miles to what? What? Two miles to empty? I mean, just, just run out of gas once or twice and it changes your discipline about that, Right? We need to be the same way where our spiritual tank is concerned. That my spiritual tank, I want to keep it, I want to keep it full. And when I'm dealing with difficult situations, I've got to recognize there's a greater demand being placed on my faith. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to fill up more often. I'm going to have to give extra attention and that's why when people are dealing with a sickness attacking their body, dealing with a difficulty in their family, situations that are placing a higher demand of withdrawal on their faith, that they need to know, I don't want to play around with my engine. Right. I don't want to play around with my tank right. because I recognize there's so much going on that's trying to withdraw and withdraw and withdraw. I'm going to have to maintain my intake. I'm going to have to be um, responsible where my intake is concerned. So here we see that there's a staggering at the promise or there's being fully persuaded about the promise. The word stagger is used, it's the same word used in Mark 11. And we cannot have six days of faith without Mark 11. We, we, we want to let Mark 11 have its uh, proper place in our, our understanding because Jesus, the master, taught us the greatest details and applications concerning faith here in this text. He says in verse 23, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not stagger. It's the same word, doubt, that is used stagger in Romans chapter 4. If you will believe in your heart and not doubt, you'll believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you will have whatever you say, or he says. So the word here, doubt, is the word stagger, and it means to waver. It means to vacillate. It means to hesitate, to waver, to vacillate, or to hesitate. When we have set our objective to be persuaded... We need to know what we're on guard against. This is the list. We're on guard against hesitating. We're on guard against getting up tomorrow feeling different and changing what we believe. Because it says wavering, hesitating, doubting, 
This makes it impossible to be settled and stable in the receiving. He said here in verse 23, he said, if this person will not doubt, if he'll make this statement, if he'll say to the mountain, to the sickness, to the situation, the statement, the declaration, the command, the instruction, and shall not waver, hesitate, or doubt, stagger in his heart, but will believe he will have. Verse 24, he says it in application to prayer. That's why, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. The word receive means to to take with the hand, to bring it into your possession. So he says, I'm supposed to believe I bring it into my possession when I pray. Not when I see it, not when I feel it, not when the circumstance, the evidence of the circumstances is, is changed. It says, according to Jesus' words, that I am to take it with the hand with faith. I am to take it with the hand and bring it into my possession. Now I have it in my possession. I have it. I have received. So if I've received it, I'm not waiting for it. If I've received it, it's not in the future. I'm not going to get it. I have it. Hallelujah. And so the receiving is a spiritual receiving, but spiritual receiving is more steadfast than physical receiving. We've got to recognize everything you can see in this natural originated from the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is the parent realm. Everything that can be seen came from something that cannot be seen. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God and everything that does appear came from something that does not appear. That's why we do not look at things which do appear to determine our faith. We look at at those eternal things. So the eternal thing is more trustworthy than the natural thing that I can see because the temporary natural thing is subject to change. The eternal is not subject to change. So I've got to become more confident in what Eternal things I lay hold of with my faith. That is more steadfast than me having something that I can naturally feel or touch. It's more steadfast for me to have my in my spiritual hand. Death and life are in the hand, the power, the hand of the tongue. So if I want to take something into my spiritual possession, I open my mouth and I say, whosoever shall say to this mountain and Do not doubt in his heart, but believe. Well, if I say I've received, are you tracking with me? So if I say it, then the Bible gives me instruction to hold fast the profession of my faith. Why would I have to hold fast? Because the enemy's trying to get it out of my grip. Hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. So when we're becoming skilled in our faith, we've got to become skilled in that holding fast because the enemy wants to use time to make us waver. He wants to make us waver under the pressure of how it feels, what it looks like, how it seems, what what emotionally is going on at that moment. All of those things are used by the enemy as tools to make us waver because he cannot defeat us if we don't give up. He does not have power over us to defeat us. He has to get us to participate in defeat. He's got to get us to let go. When it says hold fast the confession of your faith, it's the word cat echo in the, in the Greek language. And the word cat echo means to come down upon something. It's a compound word. The first part of the word means to come down 
heavily like and take dominion and subjugate something. And the second part means to bring it into your possession. So when the football is fumbled on the field, all the players on the field go into cat echo mode. They're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on it. And they will jump from like feet away trying to be the first one to land on that football. And they want to subjugate it. They want to bring it into their control. They want to dominate it so that the other team can't have it back. And then they bring it into their possession and all the other players are piling on top of them and they're reaching under and trying to jab and pull and scratch and kick. They're trying to get it, but as long as he's got it in his possession... That's how we are to hold fast our profession. We've got to hold, hold it fast with our words. If you've got it in your mouth, you've got it in your possession. If you're holding it with your tongue, you're holding it spiritually in your possession. And the enemy can't take it out. If he can't get it out of your mouth, he can't get it out of your possession. If I'll keep saying it's mine, thank you, Father, I believe I received... Thank you, Father, that I spoke the word. Remember, first words matter. Last words stand. We've got to let those words stay, stay said. We can't let the situation make us unsay what we've already said. Amen? So this, this bringing it into our subjection with our words is more real than things you can touch in the natural. It's more real than natural things. Pastor used the example last night of the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you've never seen it. I've never seen it, but I know that it's there. I know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the enemy can't condemn me when I have faith in the righteousness I am in Christ. Jesus became sin for me, who he never sinned, but he became sin for me so that I could be made righteous. Faith is the substance of that righteousness. How do I, how do I walk in that righteousness? I have to believe it. Do you see why this is, there are, are things that are... Um, they are of, of greater value for me to develop my skill in faith where my righteousness is concerned. It will benefit me in every other area. Amen? Amen. So staggering versus being persuaded. When Jesus said, if this person will make this statement and not stagger, not waver, not hesitate or doubt in his heart, what he has said will follow through with the progression of faith until it brings into, he will have whatsoever he says. Without that consistency to, con to maintain my believing, and not stagger. Without that, the process can't continue. It says, he will have, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I, I believe I receive it before the manifestation, before the evidence in the natural, but I have a higher evidence, the spiritual evidence. Of the word in my heart and in my mouth. Hallelujah. Let's look also at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And verse 6. But let him ask in faith. No thing. No thing wavering. Is that possible? This scripture makes it possible. The scripture from Mark eleven twenty three 23 makes it possible. Jesus, you said that I can speak to a mountain, to a sickness, to a situation, to a circumstance. You said that I could do that and not doubt in my heart. You said that it's possible for me to ask in faith nothing wavering. Hallelujah. He that wavers... 
is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind, driven by the circumstance, changed, changed, motivated, moved, relocated by the wind. He that wavers is like a wave of the sea. The sea does not have a permanent address. Those waves, you can't find that wave that that, that surfer came in on. It goes out and it's, it's been moved already. And he said, this is why. He says, the person who wavers isn't in a steady Solid, stable position to receive anything. Let not that man think that he shall receive. Now see, a lot of times people think, yeah, God's punishing him for for wavering. So no, that's not the reason. He's not in position to receive. For us to be in position to receive, faith is the address for receiving from God. Without me being in a faith address, I am not in a qualified location for God's delivery system. God's not going to deliver outside of the faith addresses. That's why he's giving you a believing heart. He's given us the capacity of faith because as long, no matter where we are geographically, as long as we're in faith, we are a stable faith address. We might move geographically and so, but God can still get the answer to me if I'm in Ecuador. God can still get the answer to me if I'm in Little Rock, if I'm in, in, in another state, another city, another nation. My faith address is still on God's radar and he can still bring to me what I have ordered, what I am believing for, what I need. Why? Because the faith address is the qualified address for receiving from God. So he says here, the person who wavers is outside of this faith delivery zone. The person who wavers, don't let that person think they shall receive Take into their possession. Hold it in their possession. Don't let them think they can receive. To take with the hand. Don't let them think they can receive. Why? Because wavering violates our faith. Wavering, hesitating, staggering. Remember, he did not stagger at the promise he became fully persuaded. And I'll have to tell you, I thank God that we have Genesis 15 because that means there's hope for all of us because y'all know what happened in Genesis 15. Abraham wasn't so convinced. He said, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? And God said, childless, childless. Hallelujah. So because Genesis 15 is in the Bible, we have hope. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Because Abraham, Abram, before God changed his name and before God got him over into this skill of faith, got him to call things that be not as though they were. When he changed his name, God had him calling things as though they already were. I am the father of many nations. He had to, he had to say it like it already was established because now that's agreeing with what God had said about him. God said, I've made you. The, I've made you the father of many nations. And Abram said, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Wait, wait, I just called you the father of many nations. What do you mean childless? So do you see that God didn't bring up Genesis 15 when he wrote Romans 4. Amen? But you and I can recognize Abram had to learn faith just like we do. 
He had to learn how to get his mouth in line with what God had already said about him. He had to learn how to set his attention and his expectation on so shall my seed be. This is what God said about me. So shall my seed be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This wavering, this hesitating, this doubting, this is the... uh, the opposition we want to look for, that we want to be on guard against it. We want to recognize how it comes. We want to recognize the, um, the ultimate end of that wavering so that we don't do it, so that we recognize, listen, I have gotten up in the mornings and felt like saying what I feel. And there have been times in my Christian walk that I've got up and I have just yielded my tongue to what I felt like saying, it's not working for me. I don't understand why it's always turning out like this. And I'll tell you from my own experience, it takes longer to to turn that back around than if I would just bite my tongue and go on and just, just get my mouth in agreement with God And I don't have to waste that extra time trying to talk myself back to the place that I talked myself from. Amen? So if we'll recognize my desire is to have a persuaded heart. My desire is to have a settled, a settled, convinced heart. How do I get... A convinced heart. How do I move my my radar over so that I am giving my attention to that persuasion? So that nothing is hindering me from seeing it complete, from seeing it whole. I mean, the scripture that Pastor challenged us with last night. That God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's going to require us to feed on that scripture. That's not going to say, oh, well, pastor said all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I just don't see why I don't have all things. And I have this need. And so all things that I'm going to have to feed on it until it becomes a part of me. I'm going to have to feed on it until the dots are rearranged and I see the needs met. Until my mind has been brought into that place of renewal so that I'm not moved by the thoughts that are coming against my mind telling me it's not working. It's working. It's working. Healing power is working. It's working. It's working. Healing power is working, it's working, it's working, it's working night and day. It's working in my body to drive sickness away. Do you know why he wrote it? Because a lot of times people come and say, it's not working. It's not working. We've got to rewrite the song. We've got to say, it is working. We can't sing that it's not working song. We've got to sing, it is working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You are working. We've got to know the word will not return empty. The word will accomplish what God sent it to do. And he gave us his word so that we can put it in our heart and in our mouth. And we can deal with the situations that try to tell us it's not working. It is working. It's working because... The word has been released, and I have not staggered from it. I've not wavered from it. Amen? So this is what we're working to develop. Now, Genesis 22, we have another example of Abraham, and this is the example that sealed God's legal access to give us his son, Because Abram, his covenant partner, Abraham, legally gave God his son with an expectation that God would raise him up. And God did not require him to complete it because God saw what he had done 
as being complete because he had already done it in his heart. And so in Genesis 22, let's work, look at verse 16 and let's see how God responded. God said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Do you remember the example of the children of Israel when God brought them out of Egypt and it says that they could not enter in because of unbelief? Many of those scriptures, the translation of that scripture says they could not enter in because of disobedience. Because unbelief is translated disobedience. But he said, you've obeyed me because faith is the highest form of obedience we could give God. If you really believe it, you'll act on it. You know, people might laugh and wonder, why do you tithe? If you ever take your, your finances in to, the, the, to have your taxes done, and if your, your tax preparer is not a believer, they're going to look at your taxes and say, what are you doing giving 10% to the church? Why? Because they don't have the faith that you have about the benefits of tithing and honoring God in the tithe. The reason we tithe is not because God's making us, not because we're afraid God's going to strike us down with a curse, but we believe, we believe that when I bring my tithe into the storehouse, God is going to open the windows of heaven and he is going to open up the blessing and pour out blessing in my life that there's not room enough to receive it all. That when I tithe, I'm honoring God. I believe that. And so I obey the instruction to tithe. My obedience isn't because I'm following a hard legality. My obedience is the obedience of belief, of faith. I believe God. God doesn't want us doing things out of hard legality. I, I choose not to take my righteous eyes, my blood-bought perception, and take it into a movie theater and watch cussing and nudity. And it's not because I am under a hard legality of thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not watch R-rated movies. No, I recognize I'm, I'm purchased. I'm bought with the price. I am, the Holy Spirit lives in me and I have been cleansed. Why would I take my cleansed, holy, sanctified self into a place to defile what God has done. Right? So it's not legality, it's faith. I am not even interested in going. None of their plots or storylines or acting is enough to convince me because my faith convinces me I'm better off not putting myself there, not having that in my mind and in my heart it's faith faith is the highest form of obedience hallelujah god wants the obedience that is birthed from our faith that's what he wants he wants us to obey him because we believe him he wants us to, to obey his instructions because we believe his love. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. His instructions are love instructions. His commandments are love commandments. His desire for our life is birthed out of the love that he has for us. 
his compassion and his tender mercies. So he wants our, our obedience to stem from our faith, to be birthed out of our faith in him and his love for us. So he said, because you have obeyed my voice. And we know, we know it was by faith. By faith, Abraham offered unto God his son Isaac. By faith, we know, Scripture tells us, Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham. But God called it obedience. He said, because you have obeyed my voice. This word obeyed is an interesting word. If you were to look it up in the Strong's Concordance, it is translated the majority of the time. 785 times it is translated here. Only 196 times is it translated obey. So the obedience comes by the hearing. The word means to hear because you have heard my voice. But the word hear is not just to have the sound in my ear. The word hear means to listen and, and, and heed to or yield to. To listen and yield to. I'm telling us this is the key to rearrange the dots in your picture. This is the key to rearrange the image, the imprint in your spirit. When you hear and yield to, when you listen to God's word and you submit to it, you yield to it, he rearranges the image so that you see yourself as the righteousness of God, so that you see yourself as a child of God, a son, an heir, so that you see yourself as one who has authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. No evil shall befall you. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand that it shall not come near you. How do you get that picture? You hear and yield to it. Be it unto me according to that word. Be it unto me according to Psalm 91. No plague shall come near my dwelling. Be it unto me according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin for me who knew no sin. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I submit to that. I yield to that. Be it unto me according to what God has said. He has given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I didn't make that up. I'm not trying to convince God to give me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He chose to do that. That was his idea. I just need to listen and yield to that. And when I do, I'll walk in the light of it. I will obey it. So let me give you an example. Deuteronomy 28. One of our favorite places, isn't it? I mean, you won't even be able to know what the blessing looks like. Without the help of Deuteronomy 28. Because the blessing of the Lord is much more than, than human experience alone can, can fathom. We need the scripture to show us what does the blessing look like. Well, Deuteronomy is one of those helpful places. But he says here in verse 1, It shall come to pass if you will hearken. And the word hearken means to hear with attention or interest to yield to or obey. Hearken, if you will hearken, if you'll hear with attention, with interest, if you'll yield to and obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do. Listen, you can't even see yourself doing it without his word. It's not just, he's not just saying so that you'll never break a commandment. He's saying, if you'll let my words in your heart, you'll see yourself with it. You can't see yourself righteous without seeing through 2 Corinthians 5.21. Without seeing it through through the scriptures that talk about we are justified by his blood. Those scriptures rearrange the dots of your image. Supernaturally, with a spiritual imprint. So he says, when you 
hear, you listen to, and you yield to those, those words of God, then you'll be able to observe it. You'll be able to see yourself out of debt. You'll be able to see yourself healed of that disease. You'll be able to see yourself whole. You'll be able to see your life restored. You'll be able to see yourself going to the grave in a good old age. You'll see yourself protected. You'll see your family kept. You'll see, you'll see it. How? Through the Word. The Word is bringing, it's transmitting the image. I can say, dog. And every one of us have a different image. But I can transmit the image, little black poodle. And some of you who are thinking about German shepherds just had to change your image, right? Because the words transmit it. That's why we, we, we need the word of God to transmit the image of God into our spirit so that we can see, so that we can observe and do. We can't do the will of God without the Word of God. The Word is the transmission. The Word of God is the transmission of the supernatural ability to, for us to see it and walk it out. Hallelujah. That was worth you coming to church, combing your hair and coming to church tonight. So he said here the word, this word uh, to observe and to, to do. Let me give you the Hebrew definition of this phrase. When it says to observe and to do... It is one word in the Hebrew language, and it means to, uh, to treasure up. To treasure up. To observe and to do means to treasure up, to protect, to preserve and guard. Hallelujah. To treasure up, to protect, to observe, to guard. It comes from the root word that means to hedge about with thorns. To hedge something about with thorns so that it, it's protected. So he said, if you will hearken, listen to, and yield to the voice of the Lord your God so that you, you treasure up and you protect and you observe and guard, hedging this will of God about with thorns, then all of these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Why? Because the word is the connection to the blessings. It's the word in us. Proverbs chapter 4. He says it this way in Proverbs chapter 4. He said, attend to my words. Attend. Is that what, what we see in, in hearken? To hear with attention or interest. He said, attend to my words. Verse 20. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life. The words are life. Unto all those that find is an interesting word. It means to hold in possession. To acquire, to attain, to hold in possession. So it doesn't mean I discovered it and then I don't remember where it is anymore. Yeah, I found that one time. I used to have one of those around here somewhere. No, that would not be the word find. The word find means to acquire and maintain possession of it. I have it. Which goes back to don't doubt but hold it and you'll have whatever you say. So he said, they are life to those who hold them in possession, who guard them, who treasure them up. To observe, to do, I've got to have them in my heart. To be able to see myself with it, I've got to have it in my heart. To be able to enter into that place of persuasion, and maintain that place of persuasion where I am fully persuaded that what God has provided or promised, He is able also to perform it. For me to become fully persuaded, I have to interact with the Word of God regularly. You know, Brother Hagen, 
in his book, The Seven Steps to Answer Prayer. Any of you have seven steps to answer prayer? Read it again. If you don't have it, we'll get some more copies. But it, he, he's really teaching the prayer of faith. He's really teaching you the, the basic principles of how to maintain faith. And he said this in the seven steps to answered prayer. He said, once you find the scriptures that promise you what you desire from God, get those scriptures firmly fixed in your heart, not just in your mind. To do that, you'll have to meditate on the word of God. To do that, you'll have to meditate on the word of God, which is what Joshua 1.8 and Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 tell us. It says that in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. This word of God, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So for us to, to interact and participate with the word, it's not just reading it. It's not just reading the word. We're not talking about just read, 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 read. He said your mouth needs to be involved. Because the, the word is voice activated. For me to get born again, I have to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and then what do we do? We speak. So without speaking, the equation of faith is believing plus speaking. Without the speaking part, I've not completed the equation. I haven't completed faith if my mouth is not interacting. If I'm just believing with my heart, there was a man who was believing he had faith to be healed. He was believing, but he hadn't acted on it until the Apostle Paul said, I perceive that you have faith. Rise up and walk. The faith was there. The believing was there, but there was no ignition to his faith until he acted on a command, a word. And when, when we are applying faith ourselves, the, the mouth is the activation we believe with our heart, but we haven't applied what we believe. We haven't released what we believe. We haven't, we haven't sent it. God sends his word, and he wants us to send words of faith into the situation. Jesus said, if you will say to the mountain. But we don't want to just say empty words. We want to believe in our heart, and then we speak. So we've got to interact with God's word until the tank is full, till the image, all the dots are in place. If, if we don't see the dots in place, if we look and we see a blurry image, we need to go back and spend more time with the word until the image is clear. If, if it's a blurred image on the page, it's, it, it, what we need is more time in those scriptures so that those scriptures can put the dots in the right place. And so Brother Hagen said this as well. He said, if you can't see yourself with that thing that, you've, that you're believing for, you've let the word depart from your eyes. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith isn't hard. This isn't hard, but there is an investment of our time. There is a renewing of the mind. There is a casting down of imaginations. There, that is, there are these different elements. That that's why we have this atmosphere where we can learn faith. And we can say, ah, I've been trying to operate faith, and all I have is a blurred image. So what am I getting? Blurry results. I'm trying to release my faith, but I'm not specific with my faith. I don't see myself with it. So I've got to spend time in the Word until the picture is clear, and then when I open my mouth, 
those words will be filled with, with the substance of faith. It's not just about saying words. It's about the whole process. I've got to put the right words in so that the faith is available for me to fill my words. I need faith-filled words to move my mountain. I need faith-filled words to drive that sickness out. I need faith-filled words. Hallelujah. I need the clear image. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what we want is the clear image. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tag, you're it. Come help me here. Did you receive something tonight? Hallelujah. I'm going to just say this encouragement to you. Time in the Word is never lost time. And learn how not just to try to read for a quantity of content, but God's Word is spirit and life. And when you spend time in His Word, His life is imparted into your heart.